Today we continue in our sermon series through the book of Psalms. Each week we are reading together two psalms a day, Monday through Friday, which equals ten psalms a week. And out of those ten psalms that we are reading, I am prayerfully choosing one that can be the psalm on which we hear from on Sunday mornings. And just a quick reminder, if you haven't gotten one of these handy bookmarks, it has listed out on here the psalms that we are reading each week, and you can go to fbckennedy.org slash psalms to see that reading as well as listen to previous messages in this series. So Psalm 49, you'll find this on page 549 in the Pew Bible in front of you if you did not bring a Bible with you, but I invite you if you did. Either way, turn over to Psalm 49. It's fairly short, so we'll read the whole thing together. Hear this, all you peoples. Listen, all who live in this world, both low and high, rich and poor alike. My mouth will speak words of wisdom. The meditation of my heart will give you understanding. I will turn my ear to a proverb. With a harp, I will expound my riddle. All that tells us that there are categories of psalms, and this one would fit into the category of a wisdom psalm. And then he begins to unpack what he has for us. Verse 5. Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me, those who trust in their wealth and boast in their great riches? No one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough so that they should live on forever and not see decay. For all can see that the wise die, that the foolish and the senseless also perish, leaving their wealth to others. Their tombs will remain, their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations, though they had named lands after themselves. People, despite their wealth, do not endure. They are like the beasts that perish. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and their followers who approve their sayings. They are like sheep and are destined to die. Death will be their shepherd, but the upright will prevail over them in the morning. Their forms will decay in the grave, far from their princely mansions, but God will redeem me from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself. Do not be overawed when others grow rich, when the splendor of their houses increases, for they will take nothing with them when they die. Their splendor will not descend with them. Though while they live, they count themselves blessed and people praise you when you prosper, they will join with those who have gone before them, who will never again see the light of life. People who have wealth but lack understanding are like the beasts that perish. This is the reading of God's word. You may be seated. And as you are, we do have our Kingdom Kids ministry available today for those who are four years old through second grade. They're invited to head to the foyer with our Kingdom Kids workers. And once they're back there, they're going to head over to our education building downstairs where they're going to have a chance to learn and worship at their level. If they've never been to Kingdom Kids before, you'll want to go with them, get them registered. And just a quick word for all those who have kiddos and Kingdom Kids. Once they get in there, the door locks. 
And so you'll have to show up and knock on the door and show identification and prove that one of them are yours because we're not just going to let them go to anybody. And some of you are thinking, that's not my problem. My question is, how long can they stay there? And the answer is until the service is over, and then you do have to go pick them up, all right? Sorry, I know that's a little bit of bad news. So what I've tried to do is I think and pray through choosing one of these psalms is pick different ones. Every week, honestly, I like to pick the ones that just talk about praising God. That would be my choice every week to pick. And every week out of one of those 10 psalms, there is a psalm that talks about praising God. And so I like to focus on those. But I want to look at more than just that one kind of praise psalm. And so we're looking today at a wisdom psalm. And it's not just any kind of wisdom song. It, it's a psalm that deals with our stuff. And as we saw at the very beginning of this psalm, it's a wisdom psalm for everyone. High and low, rich and poor, all of us have stuff, financial stuff, material stuff. And here we're going to learn from the psalmist, how do we handle that? How do we deal with those things in ways that would please God? So that's what we're looking at today. Let me pause for us just a moment and invite you to pray with me before we go back to God's word to study it together. Father God, we do approach the scriptures or the Bible as your word to us. We're trusting and believing that you spoke through people, not, not too dissimilar from us, just ordinary people. You spoke through them. Your Holy Spirit gave them the words that we find in the Bible today. And so we are hearing from you on a topic that touches every single one of us and on a topic that matters to you. It's it's how we live our life in this world when it comes to our finances and our possessions. How should we see the blessings you have given us? God, in your word does give us wisdom. We thank you for the psalmist who gave us this psalm of wisdom and how to handle the material blessings you've placed in our life. God, help us to see the truth of your word and not just hear it, not even just agree with it, but that we would take the truth of your word as we leave this place in just a few moments and seek to live it out. God, we seek to live it out because it's what's best for us. To align ourselves with your word is always what's best for us, but God, we want to live it out because it also, and more importantly, honors you. We know we can't do that on our own. We are weak, but you are strong. We confess our weakness in this area of our life and ask that your strength would help us, Father, to honor you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This got me thinking, this song got me thinking about some of the first jobs I've ever had. And I don't know about you, but, you know, you never want to really go back to those jobs. Some of the earliest jobs that I remember having was things like uh, I babysat for one lady's uh, kiddo. That was top three worst jobs I've ever had. Those of you who babysit, God bless you. I'm so thankful for you, but, but that was not it for me. And then I moved up and made a little bit more money bailing hay. How many of you ever done that before? You can never make as much money bailing hay as the energy it costs to do it. It's never worth it, right? It's never worth it. That was not a great job. Uh, maybe also on the top three had to be working at the chicken shack. That was, I was... That was the name of it. What are y'all laughing about? That was the name of it. I didn't name it. That's not my fault. Uh, but 
I met a guy who owned it, and he said, hey, I'm looking for some helpers over here. I said, sure, I'll take that as a summer job, and I fried chicken very slowly. Like, you think fried chicken goes fast, not when Matt's in charge. It takes a very long time. So I was not very good at the fast food industry. But, you know, you get those first checks or you get that first, you know, money in your hand. You get all excited. You say, my goodness, look at all this money I have. What in the world am I going to do with these tens of dollars? And then you get into, like, your first real job, and now you're making, you know, hundreds of dollars, maybe thousands of dollars. And, and pretty soon, I think, if you're like me, then you get to a point, place where it's not like, what am I going to do with all this? But it's like, how is this little bit? going to handle all these bills I now have, right? And one thing that I've noticed, and it's, I think it's true for all of us, is that as we move forward, as we advance, as we get into careers, as we start making more money and we're able to take care of ourselves, we often compare what we have with what other people have, right? We compare, we compare what we have, and it's often, we don't, look, we don't compare what we have to those who have less, because then, you know, we'd feel satisfied. That's not how humans operate. We compare what we have to those who have more, and we're often dissatisfied, right? So the, the psalmist, he says here, first of all, I'm talking to everybody, not just some of you, all of you. He says all twice in the very first verse. Hear this, all you peoples. Listen, all who lives in the world. So this is a message for everybody. Young and old, rich and poor, low and high, doesn't matter because everyone is going to have to deal with the issue of money, possessions and finances. We're all going to have to deal with it. Even as young children, they have their possessions, right? Some of their first words include mine, right? So we all have to deal with this at some point or another, so it makes it very applicable to all of us. So it says both low and rich are low and high, rich and poor. He says, I have some wisdom I want to share with you. I want to give you some understanding. And he says, I want to share with you the answer to a riddle. Now, all that's, you know, well said and all that stuff, but, but the riddle is actually a very profound and challenging riddle. Actually, it's very hard sometimes to comprehend the question that he is trying to answer for us. Here's the riddle. How is it possible if God is a just and fair God? How is it possible that if God is just, the wicked can be prosperous? Verse 5. Why should I fear when evil days come, when wicked deceivers surround me, those who trusted in their wealth, and boast of their great riches. How is it possible when those who have more than us that may at times seek to use that more to harm us, how is it possible in the middle of that, as the psalmist says, to not fear? How is that possible? So the riddle he lays out for us is we have a good and just God, and yet some people are wealthy, and some people will use that wealth to hurt other people. And if you've ever been in that position, you know what I'm talking about. And maybe you have felt the powerlessness of that position. When someone who had more, maybe it's not just wealth and finance, maybe they have more power, prestige, or whatever, but they had more, and they used that against you, right? And so the psalmist says, here's the riddle. How in the world can we not fear when those 
days come. And what, what he's going to lay out for us is a way for both rich and poor, high and low, everybody in between, to have a correct view or vision of our money, of our possessions, of the blessings God has given us. So he starts in verse 7. He says, No one can redeem the life of, our, of another or give, God, give to God a ransom for them. What's he talking about? It says the, the ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough in verse 8. Verse 9, so that they should live on forever and never see decay. What is he talking about? He's saying it doesn't matter how much money you have. We all meet the same end. The wealthy and powerful that may choose to use wealth and power to suppress or abuse or, or whatever, to harm others, their life is not extended to a greater degree than anybody else's. Now, it's true. If you have a great amount of wealth, you can get better health insurance. You can go to better doctors. Now, that's true. And that, that actually can extend your life. But by how much? Some say maybe 10 years. Maybe 20 at most. But here's what the psalmist is trying to do. is The psalmist is trying to get us to see a much bigger picture than earthly wealth here and now. He says, in the end, for all see, verse 10, all see that the wise die and the foolish and sensible also perish, leaving their wealth to others. That it doesn't matter how much you have, how much I have, in the end, there is an end. Our life will come to an end. And unless Jesus returns, that will be the fate we all meet. The death comes for everyone. So now we've, we've taken kind of a dark turn, but that's what the psalmist is trying to get us to see. He's trying to get us to see a much bigger picture. Because oftentimes when it comes to our finances, our possessions, we are thinking about here and now. We are focused on this moment in time. We may be thinking a little bit down the road, but not very far. We're just thinking about our life here on earth. And Solomon says you've got to have a bigger view of that. We all can see the wise die and the foolish and sensible also perish. And then he says they have to leave it all behind. So to the poor, he is saying, listen, your life will last just as long as anyone else's. So don't get too worked up that others have more than you. And that at times they may try to use that other or try to use that more to diminish you in some way. But then he says to the wealthy, don't forget those who have much. You can't take that with you when you go. You don't get a better spot in heaven because you had a lot of stuff on earth. You can stick it in the tomb with you, but you can't take it where you're going. So to both the poor and the wealthy, he has a word to say to us that this this small view of money and possessions can cause a great deal of damage. To the wealthy, it can fill them with pride. And to the poor, it can fill them with despair. And neither is what God wants. And so the psalmist says, listen, their tombs, in verse 11, will remain their houses forever, their dwellings for endless generations. Though they had, names, uh, though they had named lands after themselves. That's how wealthy they were. But then he says this in verse 12. People, despite their wealth, do not endure. They are like the beasts of the field. So whether you have a lot or a little, we all meet that same end. And we cannot take what we have with us. 
And so he makes this point in verse 13. This is the fate of those who trust in themselves and of their followers who approve their sayings. What he's saying is, is that the problem, when it gets down to it, is we can find ourselves trusting in wealth and possessions more than we trust God. That's why the wealthy person will use their wealth to try to get more out of other people, to try to have power over other people. They'll they'll try to use that wealth because they're trusting that wealth to get them something that they don't trust God to give them. That's why those who have little will look at those who have a lot and they can be envious or jealous. They don't trust that God will give them what they need. And this is something that goes for all of us. We all, at some point or another, we worry, will we have enough? We worry about the things that we do have. And worry, in a sense, is doubting God. When we worry, we look at the circumstances we're in and we make them more powerful than God. So we look at the lack that we have or we look at the more that others have and we don't look at what God intends to bless us with, what God has blessed us with. So that's what happens when we put ourselves in that position is that we look to our wealth, our possessions. We are trusting in that. We are trusting in ourselves to either get it or we are trusting that when we have it, that it will supply for us all that we need. And in that way, we have at the same time an outsized view of what wealth and possessions can do and a minimized view of what God intends for us. That God intends for us to have what we need in this world, but he intends for us also that there is an eternal glory ahead of us. And that's where he turns next. He says in verse 15, he points out that everyone, wealthy or poor, they will have the same end. And then in verse 15 he says, but God will redeem me from the realm of the dead, and he will surely take me to himself. The interesting thing about this verse is that it's one of the clearest places in Scripture that talks about resurrection. You hear that in this verse, don't you? God will redeem me from the realm of the dead, and he will surely take me to himself. He's saying there's two ways to die. One way to die is to die and depart from God's presence. Another way to die is to die and to be ushered into God's presence. So you may see someone who is wealthy and wicked, their eternal end is in God's hands. And if they have rejected God, then their eternity will be apart from God. But the psalmist says, but not me. I trusted in God. I haven't trusted in my wealth. I haven't got worked up about the wicked. I focused on what God's given me. And he says, for me, I will be redeemed from the realm of the dead. He will surely take me to himself so on the one end you have people who trust in riches and on this hand you have people the psalmist in particular who trust in god this is much easier to say than it is to live isn't it like when you have bills to pay and you don't have the money to pay them this is a very stressful thing it's a very difficult thing to live out when you're working just as hard as a family member and they seem to have more When you see someone at work cutting corners or lying and they're getting ahead and you are doing the best you can, but you're being honest and you you aren't getting those promotions, you aren't getting those raises, right? It's very hard to live this. Very easy for me to say it. 
very hard for us to live it. But it's hard for us to live, I think, at least for me, is because I'm focused on here and now. And what the psalmist is saying is you got to back up and see the big picture here. The big picture is you can't take wealth with you. It's not going to extend your life beyond the number of days that God has for you in this world. No amount of wealth is going to earn enough for you that you will have an eternity with God. You can't earn that much to make yourself right with God. This is the bigger picture. The psalmist says, when we trust in God, I've trusted in God. He will redeem me from the dead. He will surely take me to himself. And so in the New Testament, what we learn is Jesus, who, who knew not sin, he, he never sinned. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. That, God, that Jesus, who was rich in his relationship with God, became poor. So that we who are poor in spirit might become rich with God. It's turning all this financial and material stuff on its head and it's saying there is such a bigger picture here. Don't get so focused on decimal points and what your neighbor has that you don't have. Don't get so focused on all that. Get the bigger picture. And so what we learn in the New Testament is the promise that's holding true in the Old Testament comes to fruition in the New what the psalmist was trusting then, that there is a life that is to come. There is inheritance coming my way. There is riches beyond the material that is mine because I trust in God. We see how God plays all that out in the New Testament in Jesus. It's when we trust in Jesus that the riches of God become ours. That the inheritance of, of God becomes sure to us. It's through Jesus that we have that hope that it doesn't matter how poor I am in this world or how wealthy I am. The only thing that matters is that I trust Christ with my sin, with my life, with my finances, with my stuff. I trust Jesus. And so the psalmist can say, although he did not know the name Jesus yet, but he was believing in the promises of God that one would come. He says in verse 16, don't be overawed when others grow rich, when the splendor of their houses increase. He's speaking to our heart. He's saying to us, I know your heart will be drawn to that. You'll be awed by that. Wow. It's amazing. Look at what, I wish I had what they had. Now, he's, now I think he's talking about envy. It's not just we may see somebody who's wealthy oppressing others and it makes us angry. But now he's saying sometimes you see people who are wealthy and you become envious. Now he's speaking to the heart. You want what they want, but don't be awed by that. Don't be awed by the, uh, by the houses they have, the money they have, the cars they drive, the clothes they wear. Don't be overawed when others grow rich. But in verse 20, he says, they lack understanding, and they're like beasts that perish. Then what should we be awed by? What corrects this? To be awed that Jesus, in his wealthy righteousness, gave that up for us who were poor in spirit. That we might have the riches of God's grace and glory in Jesus. That's what we should be awed by because I, I don't deserve the riches of God 
We may be able to say, I earned this paycheck. I, with that paycheck I earned, I bought this car or house. I, I can say that. I earned that. That was me. I can say that, but I can't say that about my salvation. It's, it's the most valuable thing I have. Listen, if I could trade anything in the world and keep salvation or gain everything in the world and lose salvation, I would always choose to keep salvation. It is the most wonderful thing I have. It's the most worthwhile thing. and Nothing is greater than the peace of knowing my sins are forgiven, my, my eternity is secure. I'm right with God, my creator, even though my whole life I've been a sinner who's been wrong. But I've been given this position as a son of God. I've been adopted into the family, and it has nothing to do with my wealth. It has nothing to do with my morality. It has everything to do with the fact that I've trusted Christ. Jesus, that relationship I have with him, the security that I have with him, the eternity I have because of him, that is really the most important thing. How do we keep ourselves from being awed or overawed? By the wealth I see in the world and what I don't have is I fill my heart up with the awe of knowing I am a child of God through Christ. What greater thing could I have than Jesus? And see, when I can say that and I can mean that, it puts everything else into perspective. I need money to live. God blesses me with it. Thank you, God. I have enough. And if I have more than then God show me how to use that more. It puts everything into perspective. It's no longer about what I don't have and what someone else has. How do we not be overawed by the world and its riches? I think it's by being in awe of the riches we have in Jesus. And he's made that available to every single one of us. All who would call on the name of Jesus can have those riches. Not the riches of money, not the riches of possessions, but the greatest riches of all, a relationship with God and eternity and glory with him, you can't work for it. You can only receive it. But once you have it, you have everything you need to live the full life that Jesus has called us into. Let's pray. Father God, you know how weak we are and we are tempted to trust in temporary things rather, to, rather than to trust in the eternal things. Father, I pray that you show us how that's true in our own lives, how we're trusting in wealth and possessions, how that might be causing envy in our hearts when we see others who have more. Father, reveal to us how, how rich in Christ we truly are. That all other things would come second, third, far down the list. Because we have you. And that relationship can never be purchased on our own. Jesus purchases it for us. And it can never be lost. It is secure. And so, Father, for these things we give thanks and loosen the grip that money and possessions can have on our hearts. Help us not to be overawed by them, but Father, we would just be overawed by your grace and the riches of your love in Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.
Well, as Jan just plays for just one more, one more minute, I want to just invite you to think about how it is that wealth, possessions, envy, something there that is pulled at your heart has caused you to look away from God, to look at things. Is there something there that God is stirring in you? I want to invite you to set that down, to let that go. In the words of the Bible, that means to repent, to turn away from it and say, that's not the right way to think about it. I want to think about the wealth I have in God because of Jesus, eternal riches that far outweigh anything this world could offer. And by being in awe of what God has done for us in Jesus, nothing else can steal our heart. For that, we can give thanks.